when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we're going to be taking a close look at the events that will move markets and make the headlines in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means this week, a dose of inflation and wages talk. I thought that would get your attention. What it might mean for house prices. And finally, we'll be dialing up Vodafone. I'm joined in the studio by Tom Knowles, economics and property correspondent of The Times, Martin Waller, editor of The Tempest Columns, our top business tipster, and Alexandra Freen, business columnist of The Times, and something of a tech expert as well. Welcome to you all. And thanks for being here. Uh, Tom, before we start with you, uh, let's just hear from Philip Aldrich, the Times economics editor. He's been at the Bank of England press conference after the inflation report, the publication of that, and the decision to hold interest rates yet again. Governor, inflation is above forecast. UK is at full employment. We've got economy growing at around trend rate. The output gap is closing. I just wondered how you can justify excessive stimulus at these levels and what does it take for the bank to raise rates? Are you simply worried that households just can't stomach a rate rise? Well, first off, where to begin on that? The stimulus isn't excessive, it's appropriate, and that's the judgment of the committee. Secondly, inflation is above target. Why is inflation above target? Inflation is above target because the exchange rate went down 16%. Why did the exchange rate go down 16%? Largely because of the decision to leave the European Union. Okay, that's a market judgment question is, do we lean against that and lean against something which has a real underlying fundamental aspect to it, something we can affect? Changing monetary policy is not going to change the future trading relationship between the UK and the European Union or the UK and other countries. Part of the reason why the output gap is closing over the forecast is because monetary policy is appropriate. We have said we used a conditioning curve for the forecast, as we always do with convention. We used to take a 15-day average at the time we finalized the forecast. In that curve, there was one 25 basis point hike in interest rates over the course of the next three years. Judgment of the committee was that that's, uh, if the forecast is coming to pass, that's, that's too little. If things unfolded as per the forecast, uh, you would ex- expect us to withdraw some more monetary stimulus over the course of the next few years. That's withdrawal of stimulus or raising of interest rates, uh, to be precise, to a modest extent in a positive economic environment, environment where the economy is growing above trend and we are uh, closing the output gap. Tom, a fairly fulsome answer there, but did it really answer the question? Is, he, is the committee too scared to raise interest rates at the moment because of the highly indebted nature of consumer pockets? 
Yeah, I don't think they're too scared. I, I think they're very focused on wages, which look like they're not rising as fast as uh, inflation. And, and, and I think they're just cautious about making the right balance. I kind of think they're right to keep it where it is for now. I don't think there was enough uh, in economic data to suggest that we should uh, rack up rates at all until perhaps, you know, 2018. Um, Even 2019, would you have? Well, that's what the market's saying. They've they've bought back their expectations a little bit to the first quarter of 2019 rather than the last quarter of 2019. But yeah, I, I, don't, I think we should keep this for for a long time coming. Martin, looking at the companies and one of the metrics that you look at always business investment that came up obviously, and we can move on to that. But do you think some sort of certainty around the future trend of rates that Tom's been talking about is going to be helpful to businesses? Enormously helpful and unavailable. Uh, I'm afraid the point I thought was interesting about Carney's comments was that he believed the current level of stimulus was, quotes, appropriate. I'd love to know how anyone knows what is or is not appropriate, given the enormous uncertainties that we're facing over the next couple of years, which I talk to chief execs every day and they say exactly the same thing. You know, we, we will keep on keeping on what we're doing on a short-term basis, but there's no way of making any sort of forecast over the next two years or three years or four years because we've no idea what the country will look like in two, three or four years' time. Um, what is appropriate, I, I, I've no idea, nor has he, nor has anyone else, frankly. We just have to sort of keep going. I think that the point I, w- I always make is that the next rise in interest rates is 18 months away and has been 18 months away for about five or, five, six or seven years. It just keeps being pushed further and further back. Um, I think that's still where we are today. And it's just on a point of a, a techie point, if you like, a lot of the companies you look at, they're, they're smaller companies, they do rely on, uh, or they're tech-focused companies, the future of the economy, they do rely on low interest rates, if you like, to fund the next stage of their advance. This isn't bad news for them, the new economy companies, is it? Well, I think there's other things going on for tech companies because a lot of their financing is actually coming from venture capital or from direct investment. So they're they're not always having to go to market to, to raise capital, actually. But I think, you know, the point that Martin makes is is really, really key. You know, companies have been told for the last six years that an interest rate rises on the the distant horizon and then it just keeps receding as time progresses and now we've got the added uncertainty of Brexit which is for the tech companies the the biggest issue they have with it is is the uncertainty it creates around the skill shortage you know so many of the tech sector workers in the UK come from abroad and they are already seeing big declines in the number of applications for Positions that they need to fill from outside the UK because there aren't enough skilled people in the UK. There's been a big drop in applications from outside of the UK. So it's just compounding uncertainty upon uncertainty. Tom, one of the points that seems to have come out of Governor Carney's, uh, he's quite deftly avoided getting into a political situation, hasn't he? Because he said that this is simply the forecasts we're giving you are based on an orderly Brexit. Yeah, no, no cliff edge. No cliff. Well, indeed, indeed. I mean, is that first of all you and then Martin? I mean, do you think that's doable? I hope so. But I, you know, the more the more you look into this, the more you realise no one knows what's going to happen. Really, there's so much uncertainty that uh, it's just all up in the air, isn't it? Uh, You know, you hope there'll be no sort of cliff edge but at the moment you know the the battles that Juncker seems to be having with Theresa May I think we'll have two years of extreme uncertainty and then perhaps in the last week a sort of deal will be thrashed out but who, who's to tell? That's a wonderfully optimistic view Tom I have to say. 
Um, I wish I was that certain that in two years of uncertainty we'd then know where we were standing. Um, everyone I talk to says exactly the same thing. We just do not know, as I said earlier, and it's very hard to, to, to forecast. I, I'm not even going to try. I'll, I'll tell you what, I think the Tories will win, will win the next election. Um, I'm not going to forecast much beyond that, I'm afraid. That's why they make him Tempest Tipster, isn't he? Put it on the line there, Martin. Remember where you heard it first, the Tories are going to win. But, Alexander, sort of a more balanced view, and particularly with, again, the tech... So much depends on it, the, the tech companies and the future. And this immigration problem of getting skilled labour in, there's no way we can suddenly re-educate our own workforce. How do you see that being resolved? Do you think someone is listening? Or do you suspect that this might all get sort of wrapped up in a horrible, hard Brexit, the place that Martin sees us going to rather than Tom's nice view at the last week it'll all be done. Well, you know, I'd like to see myself as the Winnie the Pooh of the office against Martin's Eeyore, but I'm, I'm with him on this one, and you ask for a more balanced view, and there isn't a more balanced view. I mean, what, what, what can you say? We don't know. Nobody knows anything. Yeah. And um, do, do we think that they're listening to, you know, the tech sector's requir- request for tech visas? Every sector wants their own special visas. You know, we want hotel visas, we want farm worker visas. It's, Care it's, worker visas, indeed. Well, Very it's, important. It's, House builders, too. They're with, you know, yeah. hugely lacking in skilled trades and workers like Britain. It's hard to, I mean, how do you tell if they're listening? It, it's really, really mm. difficult. And we've got, you know, the added problem that there's a, there's a general election campaign going on um, for the next few weeks. So just, you know, discount, discount anything that's said, you know, until after the election, because that's just all going to be so you know, rigged in, in, in just in, in terms of electioneering. I'm not sure I greatly care for being compared to Eeyore. I, I lack his, <laughs> his rosy-tinted optimism sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> but I did, to be fair to myself, and I do occasionally try and defend myself in these comments, um, I didn't say I th- thought we were heading for a hard Brexit. I just said I haven't faintly said where we're heading. Okay. A bit of a distinction. I think it, it all depends on whether the EU decides that, you know, uh, Britain has to be shown to be punished, do, do, even if it perhaps affects the EU slightly too, just to show that no one should be looking to leave the union. If, if we, I think they'll, they'll think if, it, if Brexit looks successful, then others will follow suit, and obviously they don't want that at all. I'd also need you for perhaps a rose-tinted view or a hard-headed view, moving on swiftly to, or not so swiftly, you mentioned that earlier, property and property prices, British land book going to be hearing from and, and the right move survey but broadly speaking this idea that house prices go on going up forever and ever and ever does seem to be now getting a bit of a hammering doesn't it are we coming back to reality yeah house prices look like they're stagnating and i don't know if we can blame that on brexit really why not blamed everything else. <laughs> well i think in in london and the southeast it's more that people are hitting the top of their affordability barriers you know prices of soared so much above average wages and tougher mortgage rules means that people just can't borrow enough to to afford most homes. So I think we're now reaching that peak and things are going to start moderating. Estate agents I talk to say that, you know, there has to be much more realism in the capital now. People who put their homes up for a certain price just won't get it anymore, won't get the interest. So, I, yeah, I think we are starting to see that. There was a six-month dip in mortgage uh, approvals. House prices growing at the slowest rate in four years, according to Nationwide. Saying that, it's different across different parts of the UK. So while London and Southeast and parts of East Anglia are slowing, in the Midlands, it seems to be booming. But that's partly because it's sort of four years behind in the property cycle. It took a lot longer to recover from the credit crunch and now has a lot further to grow. 
But I've got a question, Tom. Do you think that there's any danger of uh, the London market um, leaving people in negative equity? Or do you think we're a long way from that? Yeah, no, not in London. We're, I think we're a long way from that. I mean, uh, you know, perhaps in the northeast, there's still some people in negative equity. But the London house prices just soared so much that I just I don't think that's a, that's a danger, really. I think it's more just people aren't moving because they a there's a bit of economic uncertainty, uh, which is putting people off a little bit. So you could blame that on Brexit. But also people just can't afford to go up the ladder or first time buyers can't afford to get on the ladder. Hmm. Oh, dear. Um, well, I'm not going to be E on this one, I can tell you. I think we're missing something here quite important, um, which, which is the distinction between the first-time market, which is dominated by the house builders from an investment perspective, and the second-hand moving on to somewhere else market. I mean, the house builders cannot build houses fast enough to sell them. If you look at the statistics from every company that's reported in the sector, with the exception of Bovis, which had a bit of a problem early this year... Um, most of the metrics are still rising. The house prices are rising, average house price, number of visits to sites are rising. There is no sign of any of this slowing down whatsoever. That's the first-time market propped up by help to buy, propped up by the government. In the, I, I agree, in the second-hand market, people are saying, well, I've got a house, I can live in it, I can hang on for a few months or years or whatever and see what happens. That, I think, is the big distinction. Bear in mind, estate agents are involved in the second-hand market, not in the new market. Big distinction. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And uh, certainly house builders are, are very optimistic at the moment. But that is hugely down to help to buy, uh, which is a government scheme that helps uh, you know buyers. You only have to put down a 5% uh, deposit. And when that goes in 2021, I think uh, I think th- they'll be in trouble. And and now house builders are really petitioning the government to be to say, well, maybe we should keep this going for a bit longer or phase it out much more slowly because they can tell that they'll demand demand will just hugely drop once help to buy goes. Except that it, it's it's been extended and it will be extended further. It's hard to imagine. I mean, look, 2021. I've told you there'll be a Conservative government. I don't think it very likely any government of whatever complexion, forget Labour for a moment, is going to scrap any sort of incentive to get people onto the housing ladder. I just do not see it. Well, there's uh, a little ray of sunshine there anyway. Thanks for that, Martin. Uh, just finally, voter results, Vodafone, I should call them, uh, Alex. What is the state of the mobile market right now? I don't see... I get the feeling that everyone's got a smartphone and really it's hard to grow anywhere, is it? Or am I... Is that just an old man's view? Well, it's not, it's not really a question of that. There's so many different parts of the market. And, you know, one of, one of the problems for Vodafone, which has, you know, had a couple of big setbacks in the last few months, most recently having to close down its tiny little pager operation yeah, because it turns out that not many people use pagers. Only the minute you close it down, you find out all the people that do use them and very important people. They've had a big problem in India uh, where they thought they were going to take on the Indian market. They went in all guns blazing in around uh, 2007 and retired hurt earlier this year, having to do a deal with the local provider because they just couldn't face the competition, which was so intense. But it's not just about um, mobile phones. It's also about the enterprise market. And, you know, Vodafone and other, you know, big phone companies have warned about they're competing with uh, cloud providers and IT service providers and enterprise growth is slowing down for all of them. So they've got a, they've had a whole number of headwinds facing them. And it, it's just it's just the nature of this market. It is changing very rapidly. They're a big, strong company. They will probably weather the storm. But these these are difficult elements they are having to face up to. 
what's the temper's view, Martin, on, on mobile phone operators and the fact that they need to find money from somewhere to keep on growing the bottom line? Well, Vodafone has invested 19 billion quid over the last two or three years um, on making its, its own network in Europe rather better than the opposition. I, I, I'm a huge bull of Vodafone. The problem is I've always been wrong because the share price sits obstinately between about two quid and £2.20. Um, I always think they're worth the more, more than that, um, given the investment they've made. They do pay one of the best dividends yields on the market. Um, which is always a good, a good reason to hold the shares. We learnt overnight that John Malone of Liberty can't quite work out whether the numbers stack up to make an offer. I don't think that's particularly in the price anyway, to be honest. Again, in these markets, and with that interest rate still 18 months away, uh, interest rate rise still 18 months away, um, um, just look at the dividend yield. As overall, you're quite optimistic about Voda and the big players. What about the smaller ones, the innovators? Is it tougher for them now? We mentioned in terms of finance, but you know you've got Vodafone dominating the market. Is it in danger of just becoming a handful of huge companies that can afford to stay in through the different cycles? And actually, of course, there's quite a lot of innovation down the bottom end in the mobile market. Well, there's so much innovation going on, and uh, I think the the way that uh, we communicate is changing so much. You you, you just look at what the market for pages, um, which I believe Tom probably. You think we have to explain even, to Tom what a He's probably never even is, seen a pager. Something with a fax machine. Just they used to have them in really yeah. old movies, Tom. Um, Peter Max. Um, <laughs> Peter Max, indeed. Eight tracks. Um, well, that's, a, that's a really nice little illustration of how technology becomes obsolete. And, and it's taken a long time for, you know, the first pages were introduced in the 60s. That's taken a long time, but... but you know, there, there are ways of communication. Uh, voice communication is going to take over everything we do. Is we're going to be talking to our computers, to all of our devices, and. I often wondered who you were talking to as I walked past your desk. sitting mumbling at my desk. I don't know. I, I, I hate voice uh, recognition. You know, I, some an uncle tends to speak his text into a phone and it writes it out, and I just hate that. I think. The younger generation isn't so keen on the voice thing, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm getting to think he's a bit of a young fogey, actually, I Tom. Think, I, yeah, yeah, I think so, Tom. No, I think we're going to have to bring you up. Oh, by the way, how is it to, you have one of those talking machines, don't you? Alexa. I Alexa, have Alexa. Alexa. How is Alexa? Should we no, ask? I, I, well, she's going a bit deaf, actually. <laughs> I, I ended up shouting at her, and then I feel terribly rude. But um, it turns out that have my... Have you ever apologised to her? No, I've got an open plan... You know, house. So it's apparently my room's too big. You, you um, don't know she's not real, don't you? Just <laughs> well, joking. no, but you know who is real? Am, uh, Amazon. Listening to it, they, when they release their results, they they often have uh, sort of fun facts like how many people have proposed to Alexa, and it's so a little bit creepy that they're listening to everything. I think. Yeah. Dear, oh dear, where is this going? Well, anyway, thank you all very much. That's just about it for now. But uh, watch out for the financial updates we've been talking about, and there's a few others: Royal Mail, National Grid, and Burberry. And if you need a drink after all those, you'll be hearing from Marston's, the Brewer, and pub group Mitchell's and Butler's. On the economics front, as we've said, uh, we're going to have some job and inflation figures. You'll find all that and the other news uh, analysis online, on your phone, tablet, and in the paper. We'll explain all those things to you later, Tom. And if you'd like to become a subscriber, you can just go to thetimes.co.uk. That would also enable you to sign up for our daily morning and lunchtime bulletins. If you want to hear us weekly, do subscribe through iTunes and uh, feel free to post your comments. My thanks to Martin Waller, Alexandra Freen and Tom Knowles. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them if you're not already. Please join us again next time and uh, thanks for listening.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.